Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we all need a mediator. Everyone here this afternoon needs a mediator between himself or herself and God. Now, what is a mediator? A mediator is someone who stands in between two people or two groups of people, and the mediator can speak on behalf of, of both parties. And usually the aim of a mediator is to bring both groups of people together. He or she aims to create peace where there is tension or even fighting. Now, we all need a mediator between us and God. That's what we need as sinful people who deserve God's just judgment. We need someone who can bridge the gap, someone to make things right again. Well, this afternoon, through the lens of Lord's Day 6, we are focusing on Scripture's teaching about our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. However, this afternoon, we're also celebrating the Lord's Supper. And that's a very fitting thing to do as we focus on Scripture's teaching about the mediator. Because it's a in the Lord's Supper, it's that where, that's where we see so clearly what our mediator, Jesus Christ, has done for us to bridge the gap between us and God and to heal and restore our relationship again. So this afternoon, I preach to you God's Word under this theme and these points. In the Lord's Supper, we see the only mediator taking our punishment for us and in our place. And we see that our mediator is, first of all, true and righteous man, and second of all, true and loving God. So again, at the end of Lord's Day 5, we, the Catechism comes to this conclusion, what kind of mediator must we seek? And the answer is, we need a mediator who is a true and righteous man, and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is at the same time true God. And Lord's Day 6 then, of course, unpacks this further for us. Now, we read about our mediator in 1 Timothy 2, the verses 1 to 7. And I want us, first of all, to see the repeated emphasis in this passage on all people. Verse 1, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Then there's verses 3 and 4. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Then in verse 6, the mediator Christ Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. And so Paul concludes in verse 7, this is why I was appointed to be a preacher and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Or we could say all people. That's the all people they've been talking about. All people in addition to the Jews, in faith and in truth. So here we have this emphasis on prayers for all people, a desire for salvation to come to all peoples, a ransom for all people, and a preacher for all people. And why is that? It's because not only does everyone here need a mediator between God and themselves, but all people on earth, if they are to be saved... They need a mediator. 
And Paul's driving force here, in, in verse 5, he proclaims, there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men. All those people, the man Christ Jesus. You see, by nature, all peoples on earth are not worshiping this one true God. By nature, they're worshiping all kinds of things except the one true God. And so, all peoples have committed crimes worthy of God's punishment. But again, the the force of the text is saying, just as surely as there is only one God, so there is only one mediator between God and all people. That mediator is the man, Christ Jesus. And all people need to put their faith in Him if they are to be saved. That's why we make prayers for all peoples of the earth. That's why preachers of the gospel need to be sent to all the peoples of the earth. They need to hear about the one mediator, Jesus Christ, and we need to hear about him too. Now, here in this passage, 1 Timothy 2, the emphasis is on Christ's human nature. You see, all men and women need a mediator, and so our mediator in order to represent us properly before God, needed to be a true man, a true human. So where it says, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. We have a testimony in the Lord's Supper this afternoon that Jesus Christ was a true human. Here we have the bread and the wine before us. These are signs of Christ's body and blood. I want us to see more than simply bread and wine before us. When you see the bread and wine on this table, I want you to see Christ's physical body and Christ's physical blood. It's a good thing to emphasize this. This, of course, is not to fall into the error of transubstantiation or something like that. No, the the bread and wine remain as they are. But Christ, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, said to his disciples, This is my body, which is for you. And about the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Christ wants us to see he offered himself for us. So see Christ's physical flesh and blood here on this table, and they speak to us. They say loud and clearly, Christ Jesus was a true human being. He had flesh and blood as you have flesh and blood. He had a true human soul as you have a human soul. Your mediator was just as human as you are. Not any less. And he had to become truly human as we confess in Lord's Day 6. That's the only way, the only way he could ransom us. Only the payment given by a full human person could be enough to satisfy God's justice. Only the blood of a true human could buy us back from the the power of the devil. That's also why he needed to be a righteous man. Jesus Christ was like us in every way except without sin. 
because only a righteous person could pay the price for our debts. Now, Scripture makes clear that Christ Jesus was indeed a righteous man. In fact, the only perfectly righteous man who ever lived. However, the Lord's Supper, it appears at first to be declaring a different message. Why do I say that? Well, in your minds, look again at this table and see Christ's physical flesh and Christ's physical blood. There's not just a body lying here, but a broken body. A body in pieces, a body that's been decimated, a body that has died, and it's blood that's been shed, been poured out. It's a picture of death. Now, I know that doesn't sound very pleasant, but it's important to see this, this broken body and this blood poured out for us to see declare something else to us declares the truth of God's Word that the wages of sin is death. That's also what the the bread and the wine are teaching us. If you want to sin against God, this is your just reward, death. And so as we see this broken body and blood poured out before us, it seems to say that Christ was not a righteous man, but a sinner. He he paid the wages of he was paid the wages of sin, death. But we know, of course, that is not true. Christ never sinned. And yet he received these wages. The reality is that Christ was paid the wages of sin, which is death, because he was standing in our place. He didn't deserve this punishment. We did. But He took it for us. You see this broken body and blood poured out before you? This is what should have happened to you. Should have happened to me. But Christ Jesus ransomed us through the sacrifice of His own body. And so this broken body and this blood that's poured out, in fact, proclaim that, yes, actually Christ was righteous. In fact, He fulfilled the law supremely. For think about what your mediator has done for you. He obeyed God fully and completely. He obeyed His Father all the way to dying a gruesome death on the cross. He willingly and freely gave His own life for sinners, willingly stood in the place of his enemies and took our punishment upon himself because it was his Father's will. So deep was his obedience. So vast was his righteousness. If love is the fulfillment of the righteous requirements of God's law, And if Christ showed perfect love by surrendering surrendering His life all the way to the cross, then the willing death of Christ on the cross is is the supreme fulfillment of God's law. The willing death of your mediator on the cross 
is the most loving and righteous act ever done on this earth. So this broken body here on this table, this blood that's poured into the cup, we don't declare that Christ was a sinner. No. They're declaring that Christ Jesus is a perfectly righteous mediator that we need, who lovingly gave His life to ransom us and to fulfill the law for us. Brings us to our second point. Now, Lord's Day 6 moves on. We just learned that Jesus Christ is true and righteous man, but our mediator needs to be more than just that. He also needs to be true God. That is shocking news. He needs to be true man and true God. How can that happen? Well, it can only happen because the Son of God was willing to take upon Himself our frail human nature. And that is simply astounding. But our mediator needed to be true God. As we read in Answer 17, He must be true God so that by the power of His divine nature, He might bear in His human nature the burden of God's wrath. Look again at this body and blood on this table. Our mediator, Jesus Christ, was decimated by His sacrifice. And he not only suffered terribly in his body, but also in his soul. You see, we all have committed the worst crime imaginable. We all have rejected God, and Adam displays itself in our sins day by day. And so we all deserve the worst punishment imaginable to be rejected by God. If you reject God then you will be rejected by Him. It makes perfect sense. And only God Himself had the power to ransom us from that punishment. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stood in our place, bearing the punishment of hell for us in His human nature. And that is what our loving God has done for us. Jesus Christ throughout His life, but supremely at the cross, showed us what our God is like. In Christ, in in His work, the love of God is revealed. It's made manifest. It's, It's on full display. This is the same God who revealed Himself to us in the Old Testament. See, as you read through Scripture, uh, throughout the Old Testament, God revealed more and more of Himself, and He showed that He doesn't change. And He constantly told His people that He Himself would save them. The prophets, for example, they repeatedly declare this, Isaiah 12, verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and will not be afraid. Isaiah 45, verse 17, Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. Isaiah 45, verse 22, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Zephaniah 3, verse 17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. God is our Savior. 
And this is something of what question and answer 19 is getting at. From where do you know these truths of salvation? From the Holy Gospel, which God Himself first revealed in paradise. Later, He had it proclaimed by the patriarchs and prophets. Finally fulfilled through His only Son. God kept telling His people He Himself was their Savior. And He showed this to be absolutely true in Jesus Christ, His Son, who is true God. This is how far, this is how much your God was willing to save you. Christ Jesus humbling Himself, taking upon your nature, bearing your punishment in your place. See, in the Old Testament, God showed Himself to be a God who cares for those who cannot help themselves. How often does He not say that He cares for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the downcast? He takes pity and compassion on the weak and the helpless. That's the same compassion and pity God had for us, poor, miserable sinners. He sent His Son to sacrifice Himself for us to save us. Look at what we read from Romans 8. In verse 3 we read, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Right? Because of our sinful nature, because of our sinful flesh, humans are unable to use the law as a means of salvation. Right? Because of our sinful nature, Instead of bringing salvation, the law only brought further condemnation because of our sins. But, says the Holy Spirit through Paul, God has done what the law, what what we could not do as well, weakened by our flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Right? God saw what we could not do, poor, miserable sinners. And he, in love, He sent His own eternal Son in, into the world to save us. And God brought the condemnation of our, which our sins deserved, He brought it down upon His own Son. And the Son willingly took it for us. So the punishment of condemnation has been already paid for. That's why Romans 8 says, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. The theologian Charles Hodge, he commented on these verses like this, the Son was from eternity and was in virtue of His divine nature the Son of God. And the greatness of the work to be accomplished and the greatness of the love of God impelling Him to our redemption are strongly exhibited in these words from Romans 8. It was not a creature, even the most exalted whom God sent on this mission, but it was His own Son who was one with the Father in essence and glory. The only mediator is true and righteous man. But he is also true and loving God. Look at what he has done for you. So see this broken body and this blood poured out this afternoon. See and believe what the only mediator has done for you. 
He has bore our sins. He humbled himself even unto death. He's worthy of your trust, your devotion, and your praise. Amen.